We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, everybody. I'm Bart Winkler. What a great, what a blessed day to be with you here. Not just with you, the consummate you, the you that is Paul Emig, and the you that is Grant Bills. Guys, thank you so much for joining my program. I hope over the next however many minutes we can share some insights, some laughs, some conversation, and uh, really just cherish the time we have on this marble we call Earth. Wow. Wow, well, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was nice, Bart. Thank you. I haven't drank this week, so I'm seeing things a lot clearer. Really? Yeah. Not even on Monday? Well, Monday was a holiday. Monday. I Pop, Monday's not. a holiday, so it's fine if you drink Monday. I didn't. I didn't. I uh, have been partaking in gummies instead. Well, take Weird it away. Pop. It's another edition of mm-hmm, Paul, there's so much. So much. I mean, what, what, can, what, oh. what can we even get to? Oh my goodness! We got to cram four hours of content in a one-hour shoe. Yeah, uh, it's going to be great. And uh, I want to start with. By the way, we're going to get into because it's, we're like post Packers season now. We're going to have some Packers. We're going to do some NFL, but there's going to be MLB slash Brewers, and there's going to be NBA slash Bucks. So wow. we're going to actually we're going to hit them all today. I've been really in my feels about the Brewers and baseball ever since the news of Travis Shaw's retirement. So I'm totally down to talk Brewers today. Why did Why did Travis Shaw's retirement hit you? I don't know. It's, he was he was one of the early pillars of this era of Brewers baseball. He was yeah, one of the Bart, first guys. Bart, was, yeah, Bar. Who was uh? What did you call Jonathan VR? He was what was he? Jonathan VR was patient zero of the rebuild, <laughs> which I thought was true. It wasn't yeah. outlandish at the time, but thank God he wasn't like no VR. No, that that the whole history around VR was bullshit. Because one day he tried to he tried to steal third, like he had a double and he tried to take third, and everyone's like, and he's I was, the Ty Montgomery like, of the Brewers in a lot of ways. I was like, he's learning. He's just learning his limits. Yeah, you got you guys talk amongst yourselves for one minute. I'll be right back. Sorry. Okay. Uh, sure. Uh, he, all right. He's just learning his limits. Yeah, I think it's he's the Amari Rogers slash Ty Montgomery of the Brewers. And I, I love Patient Zero because it's fun to remember back when they signed some of those guys, the low cost, like high ceiling guys were like, what are they doing? And then they all worked. And Travis Shaw was one of them. 
Shaw, I always appreciated because he would always talk to us. Nice guy. I don't think that I can more accurately describe to you because we've over the years, you know, on the radio show or whatever, we've brought up, we used to do the Brewers on deck. Mm-hmm. We were never a Brewers affiliate, Mm-mm. but we did a post game show mm-hmm. and it was profitable. So then we're like, well, let's do a pregame show. And the whole thing will be listened to us, then them, then back to us. And it was successful. And one of the things that we did was we had to go to the clubhouse and get an interview with the brewer. We needed a fresh interview every day. Get a soundbite. An interview. A one-on-one okay. interview. So we I'm just talking about how shitty the on-deck show was. So we would send, uh, you know, the rawest of the raw down there, including, you know, me in my first couple of weeks. And we'd have to just go like you walk into the locker room and it is like a meat market. You're like, which of these brewers should I go try to talk to? Uh, And then you have to go to the opposing clubhouse and you're trying to figure out sometimes nobody's in there. And I'm like on my phone, which you're not supposed to be on, trying to figure out like if there's any connection. I walked up to Tucker Barnhart one day and I'm like. I'm like, hey, you want to talk? And he's like, you want to talk to me? I'm like, yeah, you play in the Northwoods League in like 2004? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, all right. It was just awful. It was an awful experience. It was it was terrible. But Far Shaw right. was always – you could Shaw would always agree. Huh. Most wow. people agreed. The one guy that did turn me down was Eric Thames. Turned me down twice. Was it during, the height, of, was it during the height of like his two-month fame? Uh, yeah, it was uh, kind of tailing off the, the one, the, the interaction I remember the most is, well, I did talk to McCutcheon as a pirate. That was fun. But, oh, and Adrian Gonzalez threw a paper airplane at my head. That was a story I've told a million times. Good story. But Jason Rogers, remember him? Uh, pitcher? No, third baseman. Oh, I'm thinking first baseman that they tried to work over at, at third. He was a bigger guy. Jason Rogers. He eventually got traded to the Pirates. Yeah. Okay. Aramis Ramirez was on the team at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I asked Rogers, like, hey, with you trying to get more time at third, I mean, how much do you rely on some of these veterans like Aramis Ramirez to, to help you out? And he just looked at me like, no, he don't, he don't, he don't really talk to me, man. And so I've always hated Aramis Ramirez because he didn't help out Jason Rogers. I think Jason Rogers' career would have been completely different. Mm-hmm. I mean, that the, the, there was a period in there where it was like, uh, Amar, not Amari, uh, who did I just say? Ramos Ramirez, Bart. Yeah, Jason Rogers or Ramos Ramirez. Uh, you know who I hate? You know who my least favorite brewer is of all time? Mm-hmm. Well, one, it is Brady Clark. <laughs> Why? Because he looked like a guy I did not like in Fond du Lac. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Same. But two is Jason Kendall. Hmm. Oh. Jason Kendall led the league in choppers to third every <laughs> single time. He was your traditional old school, like hard-nosed catcher. Loved yeah. that guy. He was and like Mark, he, Mark Rivera, Mike Rivera. Very good battery. One he was like the guy in, when we played kickball, they'd always go like they knew you couldn't kick the ball that far. So they pull the outfield in, and essentially there were nine infielders. Mm-hmm. Kendall was never getting a ball on the grass. 
There's no way. Not during his Brewers tenure. No. Royals, maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, that's enough of that. Oh, yeah. That was fun. Uh, and you, you, bought, you, you bought me some time and other stuff. All right. Uh, let's start with um, let's start with this one. Monday night football, the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. If the Packers had made the playoffs. Which was one to three days ago. I'm not sure yet. Somewhere in that vicinity. Yes. If the Packers had made the playoffs, they would have embarrassed themselves in a similar fashion to how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. Mm-hmm or mm-mm. Uh, I'm going to say mm-mm. Okay. I probably would have talked myself into the Packers going to San Fran and getting a win. Maybe you talked yourself into it, but would it have actually like looked any different than the horrific-looking Buccaneers did on Monday? Well, I think the Packers would have lost. Um, I would have talked myself into it, and then they would have lost. By the way, every game was competitive, at least for half of it, like the Seattle 49ers game, except for the game that last week Bart said was his most anticipated Super Wild Card Weekend round matchup, which was Cowboys-Buccaneers, which was sucked. Everything else was really good. Even like Seattle-San Francisco was good for half, for half or two and three quarters. Well, so Tom Brady had a miserable night. And uh, if he's retired by now, I'll edit this out, but I don't think he has. <laughs> he's not. You won't edit it out either way. I know. So he had a miserable night, but his stat line looked really good because he did – because this is what – somebody predicted it on Twitter. I think it was NFL Philosophy. They're like – Here's how the game's going to go tonight. Dallas is going to come out playing Dallas, and Tampa Bay will play conservative. They'll just play conservative. And then it'll be clear Tampa needs to adjust, and they won't. Dallas will score more. And then by the time Tampa's ready to play their best you know, football, it'll be too late. And that's exactly what happened. But I think with Brady, you know, he threw the ball 66 times. He had more than 300 yards. He didn't look like terrible, terrible. But in the first half, he was missing a lot of guys. He was missing a lot of guys. Yet because he had so much garbage stats and because uh, Maher missed four extra points, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to like make Tom Brady's failure the storyline when there's something much more hilarious to talk about. This guy missing four extra points. So yeah, really. I think Brady, I mean, if Rodgers like I, I said this the other day, Rogers and Brady get viewed differently. And, and it's not, not even because maybe because of, I don't know, but I think the, we can say we don't like Brady and we can root against him, but nobody like doesn't like Tom Brady as a person. You see him in like, except for his ex-wife, but you see him in like, I shouldn't have done that, but you see him in like commercials and you're like, Oh, this guy's funny or whatever. He's, he's insightful and stuff like that that Brady at least at the podium the other night was like hey I just want to say thanks to you guys but normally it's like there will be more retirement speculation I think around Rodgers than Brady even though Brady is like a hundred years old I think the to answer your question I totally forgot what it was but the Packers would have embarrassed themselves in a similar fashion to how Tampa Bay did no I think Tampa was the most embarrassing because they can't run the football even though they have two good running backs I don't understand yeah. what that's about and then they just they looked bad. They they looked bad, and there's a lot of questions there. Uh, so no, I don't think they would embarrass themselves that badly. But I'd say the Tampa the Buc Grant. I want you to answer obviously, but the Buccaneers looked bad because they were a bad team all year. The Packers were a bad team for 14 of the 17 weeks for the most part. 
So why wouldn't they have just also looked bad? Well, I think Tampa's worse. Are they? Well, they're both eight and nine, and we beat them. Tampa's worse. Tampa's worse than Green Bay. That game feels like it was years ago. I I kind of forgot it happened. Me too. Yeah. Uh, was that week three, four, somewhere in there? Grant I Bills. I went to dinner after that game and did not wear a jacket. Like it was, like it was a, it was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> to answer your question, would they have embarrassed themselves? I mean, precedent just has to say, mm-hmm. I, I don't think the Packers roster was any better or worse markedly from Seattle or from. Um, Who's the other team that lost this weekend? Well, or from Tampa. Tampa. Like, I think those teams were very similar. I, the one thing that Seattle showed all year is that they were like, they had the right mentality, the right, they had the right attitude. And I think Pete Carroll showed that he could push the right buttons at the right time to get his team going. And I think you can say the same for Dallas, right? Like every time they've lost this year, they bounce back really well. And last week we heard about Mike McCarthy, like he's showing pic- baby pictures to the team and like, we can laugh at Mike McCarthy, but I, I think that kind of stuff works. Like he had the the Super Bowl rings fitted for the Packers the week before the game. Like when Mike McCarthy goes to his bag or, or the Gallagher thing, like when Mike McCarthy goes to his bag, it's shown that that it works. I just don't think the Packers had that edge this year. So I lost no sleep this weekend not watching the Packers. And I did not think that, oh, they could, they could be in this game. They could compete in this game. Because like you said, they were a bad team all year. They had 17 games to show that they could show anything. And outside of the Minnesota game, they just didn't. Well, and I enjoyed the games more. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, with no Packers and then the Vikings lost. And they were, I mean, it was a really good, like, I agree, like, Bart, we talked about this last week. The matchups for this past weekend were not, they weren't good. The games turned out to be quite good with the exception of Monday night. Yeah. Monday night was so fun because Buck and Aikman for Cowboys Tom Brady still great we got a Mandalorian teaser at halftime which is fun it was as well. a Mandalorian teaser at halftime and Saturday like I think this is why the Seahawks Niners game was perfect it wasn't close at the end but it was close enough for a half to vindicate yeah. anybody that felt like Seattle had a fighting chance so like we got the like it was just a perfect weekend of football and it may be a loser mentality maybe I'm perfectly fine that the Packers bowed out the way that they did. If they were always going to bow out, I'm happy they did it then. Better draft pick. And this last weekend is the most fun I've had watching postseason football in, in years. It was cool. Yeah, I honestly just wish that the Monday night game was just didn't happen because I had such good vibes. And then I just – last night's was – well, Monday night was nice not great. Bitch. By the way, I would say, too, I know you just complimented Buck and Aikman. And I know, Grant, I recall you're a Buck and Aikman guy. And I have no issue with Buck and Aikman. But – Watching a Nance Romo broadcast and a Greg Olson and who's Greg Olson with um, Burkhart? Burkhart. Those those two duos are so far ahead, and even Tariko and Collinsworth. You think I so? Think, I think Buck and Aikman are fourth string. Wow. Okay, hold that thought. Then we got to dive into that. I wanted. Let's. I'll go as deep on that as you want. All right. I gotta. Ta- I gotta. I gotta take a quick timeout. We're woefully late. So I'll take a quick timeout. Have this word uh, from Happy Place Hemp. Promo code is Bart. 25% off every order. And uh, we'll be right back. I'm with Chris from Happy Place Hemp. HappyPlaceHemp.com. Promo code Bart. 25% off your order. You do have gummies that are without any THC. Those are THC free. They're the mangoes. 
what do those uh, do? What, what do what do people take those for and what occasions? Yeah, so those are the CBD and CBG gummies. Uh, we use isolated forms of CBD and CBG, which means there's going to be you know virtually no THC. I say no THC. Um, there might be a very faint amount in there. Um, but what people use those for are, you know, general relaxation. Uh, the CBG I find to be a little energizing, almost like a really weak cup of coffee. Um, so it kind of gives you a little bit of boost of energy, a little bit of focus. Um, the CBD is great for uh, inflammation. Um, so it's a, lot, a lot of people use them if they can't take THC or don't want to take THC. Um, People ask, will I fail a drug test? And I say it's still possible, even though there's zero THC in there, because some tests are going to be looking for any cannabis byproduct, which CBD could show up as. But uh, Major League Baseball would approve something like this product because it it would fit their definition of THC free because they have this new CBD sponsorship now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. They're available, these gummies and more, these products and more. HappyPlaceHemp.com. The promo code is BART, B-A-R-T, 25% off every order. HappyPlaceHemp.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. And we're back. All right. So I talked a little bit about the announcers the other day. Um, uh, Spark, I left a message about Burkhardt, how he always says, and he's wide open and it's a big play. <laughs> and, you know, Al Michaels is getting like people have tossed him in a grave and started burying him. Yeah. And I think the problem with that broadcast was 
Tony Dungy. Dungy is well, awesome. but Tony Dungy's not used to that for the most part. Like that's not his typical gig. Al Michaels needs to. You got to be better. But they slept through that game. Yeah. Well, it was twenty-seven nothing. Okay, fine. It had one of the three biggest comebacks in NFL playoff history, and the kick is up and it's good. And then Jacksonville. There's, there's a flag. Let's wait. I hate when that happens. It ruins the moment. The announcer. All right. So who's the best? Who's the best? Let's map it out. Who's the best number one crew? Don't give me your Joe Davis fandom if you like that loser. And by the way, I would. And this is not me. Like I have no problem with Buck and Aikman. Like four years ago, they were the best broadcast duo. But there have just been some like revolutionary. Buck and Aikman, Buckman Aiken, the, they are coasting. Well, that's part of the problem. Like you can, you can. They went to ESPN and they thought it was a big joke. Look at us. Look how we get, came over here. Aikman came and then I'm here and look at that. We you you used to know us. Wearing a blue shirt our whole life. Now we're wearing a red shirt. How crazy is this? We're on ESPN now. I'm Mickey Mouse. We used to be Fox, and now we're Disney. I mean, what? how does it even happen? Buck and Aikman accomplished everything at Fox. They made all the money. They called Super Bowls. And I think they were like, well, we can make more money, and we can have a new challenge, right? Instead of calling the same you know, 10 or 12 teams a year, we have an opportunity to see every team, to go to more stadiums, to be in a different environment. Like, I think they took it on as, let's do something new, right? While we're still in the prime of our careers, we've experienced- No, Troy Aikman saw these guys getting a bunch of money, so he bolted. Which is good. uh, Joe Buck went too. And Aikman upped his game. When he saw Romo getting all this money in Collinsworth, he's like, well, I'll be damned if these guys are going to be better than me. So he started being a better announcer. And all of a sudden he's calling out guys. And Aikman's been better the last two years. Aikman's been better, but the new crop of talent is just light years ahead. Like, do you guys learn anything from Daryl Johnston ever? Why is Daryl Johnston catching strays in this? Yeah. What did he ever do to you? I'm asking if you've ever learned anything watching a game that he's been broadcasting. He's fine. That's the game you eat lunch to when Daryl Johnston's on. No, I can't. Sorry. I don't have my favorite Daryl Johnston moments ranked in my head. Every time I listen, I'm just like, oh, like Daryl Johnston. What about Kenny Albert? Shit. Let's talk about him, too. Who, Greg Gumbel? You want to talk about Greg Gumbel? Greg Gumbel's a smug asshole. Burkhart and Olsen are very good. They're they're very good. Let's and be very I clear. Let's let's the best. That's number one. I just Maybe. saw an article on Barrett Sports Media where someone's like Olsen is going to get fried after the Super Bowl because everyone's going to realize how much he sucks. Oh, that's nonsense. He's great. I disagree. I think Burkhart and Olsen are great. And if Brady's going to retire, like I think Olsen's the better part of the Burkhart. He is. Burkhart yes. came on the scene a few years ago calling football and baseball. And I was like, whoa, who's this guy? And he's been good. I don't think he hit the next level. Yeah. Isn't it weird? It is weird to analyze announcers. I would say, I would say like Greg Olson's carrying that duo, but Kevin Burkhart isn't sinking it. Like there could be a- but then if Tom Brady comes to Fox, it can't be Burkhart Brady. It's got to be Burkhart Olson Brady. I'd love a three-man booth. But, are they, but then you're but then I, I love a three-man booth too and it could be really good but you're gonna pay 37 million dollars a year for a third guy in your top booth yeah look i paul how what, are these what, i don't understand how the announcers are getting so much money they should get 
a high level of money, but 30 plus million dollars. We're already watching the games anyway. Well, Tony Bro- Tony Romo broke this. He broke the system, though. Well, now I've seen a lot of backlash on Tony Romo that him and Nance aren't deserved. clicking. Deserved, deserved for Romo. He's like he's Romo's good, but he and Nance aren't clicking. Tony Romo is not a serious game announcer. He's great for the the weird, wacky. He would have been great on Saturday night with that comeback and it's Chargers and Jags and it's two teams we don't know. It's in Jacksonville. Perfect Romo game. He, well, here he we is, go, Jim. He's the chaos guy. No one knows what's going on. He's great for that type of game. Uh, Packers, Buccaneers, early in the year. I think Romo did that game, right? That was perfect because punts and turnover was disgusting. But if you have a, a beautiful game that just needs a – it doesn't need someone to get in there and, and really do much. just needs an announcer just to kind of – just to narrate and just be the soundtrack to a great game. Romo is not that guy. And Burkhardt and Olsen are good. Greg, I respect Greg Olsen because he's about it. He's been grinding. He's been putting in the time. He didn't just show up and, and get a check on day one. But that booth doesn't feel big, Paul. Mm. That, that doesn't feel like Sunday Night Football. I give Tariko a ton of – I think the last month for Tariko, he's found his stride. He, Joe Barry, he finished strong this year. I think Tariko <laughs> really put a stamp on the end of the year. But Fox, yeah, I agree, Tariko – uh, yeah, I'm more of an Al Michaels. I liked Alan Chris. Yeah, Chris is great. Oh, Chris is so he's, he's he's awesome. Uh, and I think we're skipping the point here. Is Collinsworth not Chris Jack? Has really just kidding. He sucks. But Chris Collinsworth, I think, is tremendous. Yes. Yeah. I think the big thing I've noticed about the the analyst guy is Chris. Chris once said something like, "I hardly ever watch the ball." Yeah. Yes. I'm, I watched like how the play is developing and the quickness that he can say, like you can see a 10 yard pass over the middle and the quickness, he can point out the guy that made the mistake that let the coverage be available or let the play be available. It's just such an enhancement to the broadcast. So I I like their broadcast the most Sunday night football is tremendous. Can I just paint, make no broadcast was better than Mike Patrick, Joe Theismann and Paul McGuire. They're so old. Sunday night ESPN, mid-90s. On color commentators, I just feel like Chris Collinsworth commands a room. You walk into a room and you're like, shit, that's Chris Collinsworth. That's a that's a man. I feel the same way about Aikman. I would not mess with Aikman. But I walk into a room and Tony Romo's there. He's eating chips in the corner. Like I, I don't feel like Tony Romo commands a set and commands my attention on Sunday but, afternoon the same Grant. way that Aikman does. Collinsworth, so you're 24 years old? Mm-hmm. Collinsworth has been broadcasting what percent of your life? Aikman, what percent? Of, Aikman, 100%, like, well, not 100%, both, but both like, my whole life, I believe. So yeah. I, I just think there's like an establishment thing here that, that I'm recognizing where it's like, these yeah. are my, this is my child, like, whereas like these new guys, like, well, they're kind of close. Like, Greg Olson's only six years older than me, Grant Bills. And, you know, so like, Tony no Robinson. No you know, so, so I'm just saying, like, I wonder if it's just like, well, these are the established voices. So I, I've known those voices since I was eight years old, as opposed mm-hmm. to guys I had started to get to know their voices when I was 20. So where's the old. disagreement here? Because I feel like I'm with Grant. I've agreed with everything. Romo, Romo will make a joke of himself and the situation in a way that Aikman or Collinsworth never would. You know what I mean? Aikman is far, uh, Romo's fine being the butt of the joke and kind of being the funny guy. Aikman and Collinsworth would never. They would They would never do that. Well, I think the, the main, my main thoughts are Tariko and Collinsworth are very good. They're awesome. Burkhart mm-hmm. and Olsen are very good. Yes. Um, but Olsen is the attraction in that booth. Yes. For me. Yep. Um, 
Mark Sanchez is the worst person. Oh. I, I can't even handle his – I can't handle anything he does. So bad. And then uh, Romo and Nance – Romo and Nance, their stars shone very brightly for like a year where you would watch games just for Romo. And then they seem to be, they've like fallen back a little bit. And then Buck and Aikman, I think they just, they they think it's funny that they're at ESPN. I mean, they, they're not as serious as they used to be. See, I think, yeah, I think someone, Buck, someone at ESPN told Buck early this season, it's like, dude, we need a little more. Like Fox is grand and you don't need to do a whole lot. I think someone told Buck at some point in the season, like play it up a little bit. It's Monday night. It's fun. Cause when they start that broadcast, Buck is, it sounds like he just downed a beer and I, I love it. It's great. I, the thing is it for me, I always want to watch a game and learn something, Like I want to see, I want someone, I want, especially the play or the color. I know, but I mean, like I want to pick something up that I didn't see before. Greg Olson's the best at that for me. But I think, Brad, I think you're going to go back on this. Like, I asked you guys a few weeks ago. I think Grant was on the show. And it was about QB wins. And, like, and then you guys both said, oh, like, it, it's been so overblown that now it's gone too far. You guys have also jumped the Tony Romo Nance thing. You jumped the shark on that. Like, it's, it's not as great as it was. It's not as, like, down as you it, – it's still really, really – really good and if that pair existed like seven years ago it would have been you know it still would be great but there's just four really good duos right now but i i I think buck and aikman are coasting i think they're really really comfortable which is good it's like it's welcoming but it's comfortable i i I want i want to i want to learn something i want to see something that i didn't see and i don't remember the last time troy aikman said something that I didn't see myself. I wanted, I want someone to show me something that I can't see myself with my own. Plus he thought, he thought McCarthy should have kicked a field goal. That was so that's, funny. The other, that's the other thing is <laughs> the Greg Olson broadcast. The thing that really brought me over the top. And I'm glad we're talking about this now is because he was always like, you know, I know conventional wisdom says the kick here. You got to go for it. And then Dable was like doing the same thing that Greg Olson was talking about. Whereas Troy Aikman, again, like a different generation than Greg Olson, a much more traditionalist, played in a different era, is like, you know, Joe, I, I think this is where you kick the ball here. And it's like, I think I think Troy, I think the game has, like, you you better better start to evolve with the game or it's going to pass you by. So I actually, I'm so glad you brought that up because I gained respect for Greg Olson over the weekend and I lost it for, for Troy Aikman because I think you have one guy who's evolving with the NFL and one guy who's stuck in the 90s of football and Troy and, and Greg Olson. Is, am I off on that? No, no, no. I, I like Greg Olson. It's, no, but specifically, it's but specifically like yes. recognizing like what the coaches are actually going to do and modernizing sure. like – He's sharp. Greg Olson, Aikman coasts on his playing career a little bit, but he does it in such a, just a, he's America in a suit and he can coast on that. Greg Olson is very smart. That's that's not bad. The problem with the Greg Olson booth right now (laughs) is that Greg Olson is analytics, smart, quippy guy. He needs a, he needs a power broadcaster next to him. And, and Burkhardt is, he's a little lighter to the touch. He's a little, he's a little skitterish. I need power next to next to Olsen and he doesn't have that I don't I don't dislike Burkhart but if you were to put him next to Buck or, or Nance even I think it would be a lot better I think that's where the Fox booth is like what about like Al Michaels Al Michaels and Greg god no we didn't even talk about Al Michaels and Herb Street mm. Mm. Oh, Herb Street, Herb Street and Fowler are why it's okay I just said that I don't like watching some of these you know you don't watch for the announcers but Herb Street and Fowler, when they're doing like the Sugar Bowl on January 3rd and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter, like 
I'm watching that game because it's like feels like it matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say I never watch for a broadcasting duo, but I will mute for a broadcasting duo. I would like to say that Fox's college crew is like some of the worst shit on earth. They got you know that what? Petros guy who sounds like this, and then they got uh, uh, Tim Brando who's like, remember during Jump Around, he was like humping his partner. <laughs> We needed I, our our friend Ben Kenny tweeted on Saturday night, and I agree that Saturday night Jags Chargers game deserved Gus Johnson. Like that was the type of, and it's it's the same family as Tony Romo, where it's like the the broadcasters that thrive in the chaos with the lesser known teams, kind of the junkie games. Like Romo's great for that. Gus Johnson's great for that. What I don't want is Bengals Chiefs unbelievable game coming down to the wire, and Tony Romo won't shut up. Like, that's what drives me nuts. And it would be the same with Gus Johnson, but a messy game. I love guys like that. All right. I'm going to uh, put a bow on the announcer talk. Let's. After you rank, after you rank them. We, well, I was about I to bring up to... Chris Myers, so let's move on. Let's do it. Let's. Uh, well, re- well, I just wanted to say that if you ever go to a Packer game and you sit in the club seats, the radio broadcast is on the whole time. It's awful. Wait, have you talked about this before? I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, I think I feel you might have. Well, I'm going to rank uh, Al, no, Mike and Chris number one. Okay. Collinsworth and Tarico. Fair. I'll accept. Yeah. Tarico's exactly- last month really did it for me. He sold me. A lot of off-season momentum for Tarico, the way the season mm-hmm. ended for them. Yeah, he can feel good. I would just say Buck and Aikman are a very strong fourth. I don't necessarily know one through three, but Buck and Aikman, though very solid. And how can you put them fourth if you don't know who's one through three, Paul? That doesn't make sense. Because, because they are worse than the three others. All right. The, All the right. other three, the other three are battling for the for the podium. All right. All right. That's fine. That's fine. And Buck and Aikman are better than the other crews. They're better than Daryl Johnston. We've made that clear. Wait, why are you guys shutting down the Daryl Johnston slander? That dude has not said something new in a broadcast <laughs> in 15 years. Because the he Fox has a lot of guys like that. Fox had like Fox had like Dick Stockton for 100 years, and it was just, it was just like your grandpa calling a game. But I, I Daryl Johnston is he's just there. What you want? I don't want a, an analyst who's just there. Like Kugler, <sighs> Schlereth, Mark Schlereth. You learn things from Mark Schlereth. Stink. No. Stink. He's worse than Aikman with some of his conventional wisdom takes. Again, Schlereth is a big, uh, he's a weekly guest on the Rami Makhlouf experience. Oh, yeah. That counts sports. Yeah. Big Kings guy. Mm-hmm. All right. What's we'll, next? We'll move on. Um, among the four road teams during this upcoming divisional round weekend so Jaguars at Chiefs, Bengals at Bills. Cowboys at Niners and what's the other NFC game and Giants at Eagles. Okay. Among the four road teams. So Jaguars, Bengals, Giants, Cowboys. Among those four, the team most likely to go on the road and win is the Bengals beating the Bills. Mm-hmm. Or mm-mm. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to rule out Jacksonville. Sorry. I would love it, love it, love it, love it, but yes, rule it out. The Giants, Horvat and I, still alive. Yeah. We, we put 20 bucks on Bills beating Giants exact outcome. And 10 bucks on Giants winning NFC. How about my guy? How about my Daniel Jones takes? Dude, 
Daniel he Jones like Steve was, Young. Yeah. Rock star. He was And so I knew it the whole time. You got some of these quarterbacks you got to be patient with. We, if it was up to conventional wisdom, Jalen Hurts and Tua would both be out of the league. Daniel Jones has been in the NFL 1 year longer than Jordan Love. We we write we try to write these guys off too quickly. Too quickly. Jordan Love hasn't played yet, and Daniel Jones almost got written off. <laughs> like, well, Tua and him were in the same draft class. Yeah, Tua's career. The Tua story is so twisted now, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, but I, you know, the Giants. You know, I'd, I'd like for them to win, but it's probably between Dallas and Cincinnati. That's where I was. Dallas. Cincinnati and the Bills is interesting because they did not play that game. Now it's in Buffalo. The Bills, I was watching uh, Colin Cowherd with Sean Payton. Payton? 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 No, Payton. Payton. Hit the T. And uh, Cowherd's like, Coward, Coward interviewing Sean Payton was great television. Because Sean Payton's sitting there really breaking down. Like, you can, I, I argue, you can watch football and have good thoughts and takes, okay? Like us guys. But Sean Payton, you're immersed in it. It's different. It's like you're immer- like you can you can have takes on announcers, but I, that, I think that's more of a thing that we can kind of study because we've all done yeah. to the extent. But Sean Payton was like really laying out all these things. It went on for like ten minutes, and Collinsworth's like, "Yes, <laughs> or oh, I, I saw that." Like, you know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I was going to say. Let me throw this at you. And then Collinsworth goes, here's my thing about the Bills. Too messy. Too sloppy. There's no discipline. It just seems like a free-for-all. They they like just don't have the – everyone else seems polished. They're not polished. I don't think they go far. And Sean Payton's like – bites his tongue and goes, they are sure fun to watch, though, aren't they, Chris? <laughs> it's like, all right, you want to like, you don't want to rip on anyone. Cause yeah, but I, I do worry, you know, about, cause their, their whole thing was when Brian Dable was there, everything was more focused, but now Josh Allen is like really bringing out the farve in him. And he's got so many red zone interceptions. He, he almost had the Packers back into that game because of those interceptions and fumble and fumbles. It's not yeah. just picks. It's uh, Crazy amount of fumbles, too. Like, you got to both picks and fumbles. That's really the Josh Allen story. Farve was just a lot of picks. Josh Allen puts the ball on the grass, too. I do think, like, narrative-wise, I like to do narrative. Buffalo, they got a lot of momentum, and now it's the game that, you know, got called off. But seeing Cincinnati come in there and go into an AFC championship game against the Chiefs, uh, again, I think is a very it's a very likely situation. So I – I would say Cincinnati because of everything I just said, but I'm going to take Dallas. <laughs> and then he's going to pivot over here. <laughs> well, I, I'm high on Dallas. I know they play like dog shit the last month, but they looked good the other night. That's more of the Dallas. Well, they look good on Monday night, but Dak, Grant, you're Dak, that's the Dak they need. But they didn't even the get that much out of their running game. And so yeah. their, their running game is very strong. The Niners, I just – I'm not – and this isn't fair, but I'm not. I, I one thing I hate is I won't believe it until you show me. Like you should be able to believe something. The Bill Simmons, the classic Bill Simmons, yeah. But I Can need I Brock it? Purdy to win before I think Brock Purdy's going to win. I need to I see did, it. Can I, I see did it for see. A uh, I did yeah. see an an article from the Athletic over the weekend or maybe Monday, 
And it said, going to the next year, regardless of Trey Lance's status, regardless of how the Niners do from here on out, Brock Purdy is QB1 in San Fran. And Trey Lance is QB2. I was like, damn, like that. I mean, I, I how do you argue against it, really? But also, that happened quickly. <laughs> like, the number three, two overall pick who you trade up three first-rounders to go get versus Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, Grant, the road team most likely to win this upcoming weekend is the Bengals beating the Bills? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or- mm-hmm. Short answer. Mm-hmm. Because okay. the Bengals have the confidence. They have the weapons. And I believe as, was it Aikman I was listening to last night? Maybe it was Mark Schlereth. I was watching Monday Night Football and on my a phone watching clips of First Things First a couple nights ago. And Schlereth was like, they brought in Reader and they brought in all these guys. And and so I, th- I just think Cincinnati is like going for them. I have my favorite take of the week so far is an AFC quarterback take. Is this an appropriate time for me to roll that take out after saying, mm-hmm, very, very, my answer is, mm-hmm. Yes, uh, please. I think as of last week, let me, let me just lay this out. This, we haven't come to this conclusion yet, but this is what's going to happen. As of last week, Thursday or Friday, that is the most saturated that the AFC quarterback stock market will be, maybe forever. Because as of last week, think about it. We're all high on Allen. We're all high on Burrow. We're all high on Herbert. Lawrence, Mahomes, they're all invaluable. Because last week we talked about Rodgers. Rodgers is no Herbert. Rodgers is no Allen. Roger, right? We're comparing these old guys who have failed to all these young guys who are on the come up. There's not enough food in the AFC for all of these guys to eat, right? There's just can't, they can't all make the Super Bowl. They can't all be in conference championships anymore. And we, and we saw that with Herbert who blew a 27 point lead, right? What I'm saying is we are never going to be as high collectively on all of these guys as we will be right now, right? Mm-hmm. Because Joe Burrow is going to start losing to Mahomes or Allen's going to lose to Mahomes or Mahomes is going to lose to Lawrence, right? Like we're so high on all these quarterbacks because we haven't seen them fail the same way we've seen Rodgers fail or Breeze when Breeze kept coming up short. So I'm so interested to see how the AFC plays out, not just this year, but next year and the after as we start to form narratives and conclusions about these quarterbacks. Because right now, these guys are all perfect in our eyes, right? Burrow made a Super Bowl. He lost, but, but what a great year, right? And Allen, he should have beat the Chiefs last year. And Mahomes is great. And Herbert is brilliant, although he just lost. So we're going to start backing up on him. I'm just very interested to see how the narratives around the AFC quarterbacks form because I, I think this is as high collectively as public opinion can be on all of these guys at once is right now before two of them eliminate the other this upcoming weekend and of course into the offseason. I do me. think I do think if Josh very Allen- good, very good, good Grant Bills. Well, weekdays uh, four to six, Wisco Sports Show. Thank you. I think if I think if Josh Allen keeps improving, he will find himself in the top ten of NFL quarterbacks before long. If he keeps improving. Oh, currently? Currently? Hashtag, hashtag Rami. Sorry, I was that, was a, say. A, that was a dig at Rami. Okay. Um, if he wins this weekend, he'll pass Carr. I agree, yes. Uh, I'm getting, uh, let's not jump. Okay. So don't, be, don't, be so, don't be so quick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, the, I, uh, the Cowboys beating the Niners was my second choice for this question. Dallas looked very good against a very bad Tampa Bay team. I don't know if I trust Dak after that performance yet, after what he had been doing in the previous month and a half prior to that. And I think San Francisco and the way that Kyle Shanahan lets Brock Purdy play and limits what he can do. And I mean, seriously, Brock Purdy, he's really good. He's good. He's a very good quarterback. 
But some of those throws, you guys watch that game, like dudes are open by 10 yards consistently. It's a paint by numbers offense, some would it's say. Yeah. Unbelievable. And so I just I don't know how I don't know how you if you're Dallas. I don't know. I, by the way, the I about like the Niners is I thought that uh, I was talking to my brother during the game is um, I thought Seattle needed to pound Walker more, and then they finally were doing that. But the yeah. thing was, the thing with San Francisco is okay, Grant. What's so funny? You said, I don't know. It's just the way you said it. They need to pound Walker more. Grant found some some amusement in that. Continue. I didn't mean you, dirty brained millennial. No, he's Gen Zer. Gen Z. You know how long it took me to make a TikTok the other day? Two fucking hours. <laughs> was that your Was that your Bradley Center one? Yeah, that took me two hours. <laughs> I wanted to say something. Pound Walker. They started to do it. Oh, San Fran can rip off a 20-yard play, and they've got nine guys that can do it at any time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to stop. Speaking of San Francisco, I would like to pivot and – if this is a good time, I'd like to bring up this take. The Watt family annoyed me <laughs> because of their corniness. But those are three fine young men. Are you? Is this a Bosa take incoming? Oh, here it comes. These fucking Bosa guy. Ah, oh, they are just the worst humans <laughs> that this league has. They're terrible. Ike Bosa. You want to hear what Ike Bosa said the other day? I'm going to play it. They look like they all work at the Daily Wire. That's what they look like. <laughs> so really gonna, he he spikes the football, 15-yard penalty, helps cost them the game. Spikes his helmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's what he says after. I need to be more accountable for my actions, obviously, but it's uh... – a heated game i think there just needs to be more accountability on uh i mean if i say something to them i get a forty thousand dollar fine but if they blow a call that ruins an entire team's season they get to they're probably back in the locker room after the game like i got that oh yeah got him 15 yards what a loser i guarantee it that's what they're talking like what a dork he sounds like the bear in the Jungle Book, Baloo. <laughs> He's, he sounds like such a dork. Has he got cotton balls up his nose? They're probably like, let's let's nail Bosa. We hate this guy. Hey, you, hey nice nice t- nice flag throw when you got Bosa. He wasn't even off sides. We just set oh. him. Off. Can I can I piggyback off of your helmet take situation for another for another point that needs to be made about this weekend? Staley cannot be a head coach. Oh, in the NFL. he's terrible for a million reasons, but just for this weekend. And I can't get out of my mind that image of him running to pick up Joey Bosa's helmet. Like, like a kid would run around at a party to grab a pong ball. that's rolled off the table, looking like a, just a, a total rube and then handing it back to him only to have him spike it again. You can't be a head coach and pick up a helmet. You, you need to have layers of assistance to do that. You no. No, no, no. I'm out on Staley. Just I got a coward. I got a coward angle on this. Ready? Let's hear it. All right. Uh, Get ready for this. I can't have my coach be a no, you hang up first guy. Brandon Staley is a no, you hang up first guy. Matt LaFleur is a no, you hang up first guy. You're having a conversation. 
Somebody needs to end this conversation. Somebody needs to say goodbye and move on to the next thing. But these guys are so focused on not hurting feelings and being polite. No, you hang up first. They're too cute for my NFL. I need a goodbye guy, not a hang up first guy. This is the hurt. Well nice. done. Nice. I just thought of that. It's pretty good. Grant seemed more into it than Paul did. I think, but Cowherd is Grant's guy. I love, yeah, I was going to say, I love Cow. I, yeah, Cowherd is my guy. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, good. So we're going to do, some of these are like, these will last. Some of these won't go away. So I'm going to do this one that I, I want to do now. Early look ahead. Whatever helps you sleep at night, Paul. I don't, I don't need to see other this stuff. This is, I, let's, let's be honest. Ask the fucking question and move on. Let's, let's be honest. I do this for me. <laughs> I do this for like what I want to talk about. I get to control the conversation. <laughs> I want to do an early look ahead to the NFL draft. Oh God, it's not too to work. It's not too in depth. Oh yeah, do you really? No, I'm still Assu- waiting on another callback. This shit sucks. Assuming all things are equal, position wise, with the 15th mm-hmm. pick in the NFL draft, the Green Bay Packers have selected what position? Not what player? What position? And I'm going to propose the answer be tight end. Mm-hmm. Or mm-mm. All right, so I was looking at a uh, mock draft before we did this. That a boy? No, you weren't. Really? Yeah, Dane Brugler's at the Athletic. Yep. Oh, nice. Packers trade the fifteenth pick to the Lions. The Lions in that mock. Saw that. And then Jesus they take uh, a defensive lineman. Three picks later, team. they only Dane Brugler had to moving back from fifteen to eighteen. He's got the Bears trading. I think the Bears stay and take Will Anderson. Yeah. They'll probably trade it, though. They can get a lot of value. So. I see a lot of people mocking this. Well, the thing about the – I watch so much college football. And then I'm looking at this mock draft, and I don't know half these guys. Because I know all the skill players, <clears throat> like with, with DraftKings. I don't know the offensive linemen. I don't know these cornerbacks' names. I don't even barely know the safety from Alabama. Now i got to pretend like I want him to be the one drafted by the Packers. I'm done with the Packers drafting safeties in the first yeah, round. Yeah, I don't want any of that. I want an offensive lineman. Puke. Give me some meat. Offensive line, huh? We're like interior, right tackle. What? One of the greatest myths in football is that guards and tackles are that different. You're still doing the same shit. Uh, I hope you're kidding. <laughs> this is this is on the level of Rami and Josh Allen. I'm kidding. Okay. Why would you ever want to be a center, though? You have to snap the ball and then immediately get up, and the guy's right there. Snap the fucking ball. Yeah, and then you get yelled at, too, by Bart's buddy Aaron Rodgers. I don't want a tight end. I don't want – no, I'm I'm going offensive lineman. All right. Wisco Grant. This is not a prediction. This is a spoiler. Guarantee it's a spoiler, uh, or whatever the the W. I think that's WWE. Nope. What's that? Uh, Grant had it right. Grant had it right. He did have it right. I I goofed it up and Grant crushed it. Paul Heyman, yeah. So, what the Packers should do is take either Jordan Addison from USC or is it Quentin Johnston? I believe so you, want, you want wide receiver. Yes, I want a wide receiver. I want this team to join the fucking twenty first century and stop focusing on blocking with their wide receivers and get some guys who can catch the ball. That's what I would like. What they will do 
is trade down or just stick and pick at 15 and take Branch, the safety from Alabama. They have to. I, I refuse to believe that they haven't learned their lesson about safety in the first round. I agree. You don't take safeties in the first round, but I'm not Brian Gutekinds. And that's what I imagine that they will probably do. I think they will take a safety and all Packers fans will be like, this is great. Safety is a big need. You know, they picked up the option on Darnell Savage, but you need the depth. And now he can learn and grow or whatever. But I don't know. But they need weapons. I would love a tight end. I would love a wide receiver. They're going to take Branch, the safety. That is not a prediction. I want to say something. That is a spoiler. What was that, Bart? Every – so, I like, I understand the content machine must continue. And this is really the first time that we've talked about the draft. But as soon as the Packers were done, I'm seeing mock drafts from all of our favorite – you know, there's the Packers beat writers that are credentialed. And then there's the next level of people that whatever they do. The blogosphere. And I may be like on the edge of that. What am I? Fringe. But they're all posting their PFF mock drafts. And they're all like in agreement. Oh, yeah, Brian Branch. Oh, you took Brian Branch too? Oh, good job, sir. Oh, I don't like who you took in the second round. I don't like that lineman from Iowa. I actually like the lineman from the other place. Oh, like you they're, they're over pretending how much they know. But they're all in agreement that it's Brian Branch. It sounds too much like Brian Butch. And it keeps confusing me. <laughs> so I don't want it. Um, but they're, they're I, just like, like take a week. Enjoy, enjoy some of the football you have in front of your face. Some of these guys do thousands of mock drafts. I just, it's not about. Keep going. I'm getting, There's I'm more getting, there. I'm getting, I'm, getting, I'm getting sick of. I'm getting sick of the way that some people Twitter. Hey, did you know five years ago Rogers threw this pass nine thousand likes? Okay, well that's highly specific, but I, I know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yes, I, I know what you're saying. I do. I mean, what? These guys. I'm just tired of it. But me, but I, did you see the clip that I tweeted last night? It was an overturned replay from May 1st, 2021, because Rock's call was just superb. It was peak Rock, because I was watching Travis Shaw's walk-off game against the Dodgers from 2021. I I did not post the home run that Travis Shaw had earlier in the game. I didn't post the walk-off. I posted a clip from the highlight video where Rock was just being Rock, and it was great. We need more uniqueness on Twitter. Everyone's trying to fit in and fit a mold to get likes. When you tweet, you, you, put, you put something out like, hey, remember Rogers did this? We should thank mm-hmm. him for his years of service. 9,000 mm-hmm. likes. Mm-hmm. I say, I write a fucking song. 200 likes. I'm lucky if I get 20 likes these days. It's hard. I wrote a song. Stuff. I wrote a song. It took me four minutes and I wrote it. Now you want to claim for it. Yeah. You want to be praised. Well, someone asked me, how did it go? How They always ask me this. They say, how was that interview with Clay? What was the reaction? How, what, what was the reaction to your song? What was that action? I go, not as much as it should have been. It never is. What is happiness? It's that moment before you need more happiness. It's the moment before you want the next like and the next viral tweet. It's never ending part. That's what Twitter is. Chasing greatness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the answer is that's why i say always be happy never satisfied wow a philosopher over here well done the answer is somewhat mm-hmm, and somewhat grant is right the answer is a pass catcher give me a pass catcher weapon give me a, an offensive weapon um that yes if they 
fart. I mean, come on. Don't. I mean, I. I don't know if you're being contrarian or you're just like you're sick of looking at people's pro football focus mock draft stuff. Please don't have it. I, be I'm a sorry. Safety. I don't care. I don't care if this guy's Ed Reed. I don't want a safety from Alabama in the first. No, round. no safety. Period. No. I mean, it, it's just the. It, no, don't do that. But I'm I'd not also trying say to, that, I'm not trying to rock the boat with the offensive line. I would rather have offensive line than defense. But yeah, give me a pass catcher. Sure. Yeah, pass catcher. Please, just like. But tight yes, end. What tight end am I getting? I don't know. Is it Michael Mayer? Is it Mayer? Is he the, t- the Notre Dame tight end that's right around that range? Well, where are the tight ends supposed to go? He's supposed to be the first one somewhere around like 15 to 20. Oh, fuck. Take him. It's a good home. tight end class, Bart. Really good tight end class. I don't know if you've heard. Okay. Well, then take him. Yeah. All right. Uh, this. By is... the way, I said this the other day, but the most disappointing Packer to me. Huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This year? Yeah. Was Robert Tunyon? That guy sucked. He's coming off a knee injury, though. Also, Robert Tunyon is what he is. Like especially no. post. No, there were a few weeks where we were like, "Oh, he trains with Kittle. He's like our Kittle." No, yeah, and he, then he, he blew, and then he blew out his knee, and came yeah, back, well, and came back in like nine or ten months. I don't have a good response to that, so shut the fuck up. And also, the <laughs> answer is the answer is Darnell Savage. Oh, yeah. Grant, who's a more disappointing Packer than Savage or Tunyon? Is there one that's more? I mean, other than Rodgers. The answer is Rodgers. He went, oh. from a back, he went from a back-to-back MVP to being the 15th best quarterback in the NFL. A.J. Dillon is up AJ, there. A.J. Dillon was really guy, disappointing. But he's up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we thought A.J. – well, A.J. Dillon – we, we went Craig Council with it before the year. Forget wide receivers. Let's just talk about weapons. Let's talk about pass catchers, right? And we're like, well, A.J. Dillon is – is probably top three. He's up there with Jones and, you know, maybe the rookies or, or Tunyon, but we thought A.J. Dillon was a top three weapon on this team. Pass yeah, he dropped the pass against Detroit right at, his, right at his hands. Well, you know, he wasn't asked to catch passes in college, so that was a big misconception, and that's why the Packers took him nine rounds higher than every other team would have is because they saw through what he could do, not what he did do. It's about projection. It's not about performance in college part. This is, this is, this is why you don't get mock drafting is you just don't get these basic principles. All right. I can't argue. I've, I've been put in my place, and I will happily accept it. Bart, you have to ad lib a couple mm-hmm-mm-mm's with Grant because I have to leave earlier than I expected. So I apologize. Oh, so you're but leaving there now? I'm leaving now. But I, I, you want me to leave you oh, with one? Well, you I, leave... I don't know. I can go home. What, let me, let me, let me, let me leave you with one, and let's see if you want to go off on your tangent or if you want to save it for your like Bucks, whoever they play post game. The NBA has a regular season problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 100% mm-hmm, and I'll tell you more next time. But you guys debate. You guys discuss. Okay, well, then what I'm going to do is bye, bye, bye. cut bye, this Paul. episode here because I'm going to use whatever we say. You're banking this for next week? No. If this airs Thursday, I'm going to cut this part and air it Wednesday. And that is what I did. So if you are hanging on the edge of your seat... How do Bart and Grant answer this question? We did answer the question. It started Wednesday's show. I was just trying to be creative, and I thought it made more sense because now we're a couple days removed from that being really the the main thing that we're talking about this week, non-Aaron Rodgers division. You know, I know know it sounds – it seems like – I do think I've talked less about Rodgers this week, and we added him yesterday, but for what I could be doing – 
because I'm trying to be part of the solution. Aaron Rodgers' future does not need to be a daily topic every single day. It does not need to be. It will continue to be when people bring it up or Rodgers talks or whatever. Just because this guy thinks he's Van Wilder or Peter Pan or whatever doesn't mean we have to go along for the way from his journey from adolescence to adulthood. He doesn't want to retire, but he doesn't want to play football. So he's going to squeeze every ounce of gratuity from the Packers before he's forced to move on. Now, that being said, I'm, I'm, I'm very keen. I don't want to talk about it too much, but when I host CBS Sports Radio on Saturday from 4 to 9, I do have five hours to cover. And there will be playoff games going on, but I can't just sit there and do the play-by-play for five hours. That's not – I got to offer something different. So if you do listen on Saturday, let me know if you are. Call in if you can. I uh, I will be doing my Rogers bit. I will be doing my Rogers discussion at some point in those five hours. Forgive me for that. It's a five-hour show. It's a long time. I'm looking forward to it, but I will throw some Rogers in the mix. Happyplacehemp.com. I could, yeah, yeah, you need some of that when I'm talking Rogers. I've been taking more gummies this week. Been going less on the brown liquor and more on the purple gummies, and it's been working. I've been sleeping better. I get to sleep uh, at a reasonable time. I can still, again, the big thing for me is because I've taken like NyQuil and stuff in the past to sleep, and but then you're like conked. I still wake up when I hear my son. I still feel refreshed the next day. So they've been helping me out. There's a whole bunch of different gummies that you can take. We've been uh, exploring the the details of them a little bit more this week with Chris and Rob and those guys. Great dudes. Happyplacehemp.com. You can stop in. They're located off College Court in Muskego and tell them Bart. Or you can use the code Bart online, happyplacehemp.com. I think a lot of you guys over the course of the last couple of weeks, just based on what you're showing me, have gotten the sample pack, which is a great way to start. See what you like, see how they work, see which ones work better. And then, you know, they've got bigger jars and they'll last you a little bit longer. And again, it's 25% off every order with the promo code BART. So even if you did the sample pack and, all right, let's try it and I'll use the code, pretty good deal. The next order you get, you can still use that code BART, B-A-R-T, happyplacehemp.com, happyplacehemp.com. Some voicemails I want to get into. I do also have a Brewers note. Now, on Wednesday night, the Brewers did their event. I'm going to record this thing before the Brewers event, so I won't be able to rip on it or give them adulation how it goes. They're doing the event at Dugout 54. Either there's going to be a lack of people there or too many people there. It's going to be very hard to thread the needle where everybody that wants to get in gets in, and there's no overlay, and the Brewers find it to be a success. But there's a new Brewer. And I don't know that he'll be in attendance, but his namesake might. Uh, Brian Anderson. It's been a long time coming, but the Brewers have signed Brian Anderson. Looks like a cheap $3 million deal or something. Expected to play third base. He's been with the Marlins a long time. I, I mean, he's always been, like, decent. I don't have his stats up in front of me. I just know him as somebody that's decent, and I play sometimes in DraftKings. The funny thing about Brian Anderson having two Brian Andersons is the way that it'll probably work out is that our current BA 
really only does, does like three. He does like opening day and a Cubs series and three games in June. So it's possible that we only get one Brian Anderson at one time because I'm sure this guy, new guy, will go on the IL a few times. And then Brian Anderson will be in the booth. So they really can, they could probably have it where it's just the one. Because we, we like have two Brian Andersons, but our real Brian Anderson is barely ever here. Brian Anderson and Brewers is where I equate him the best. But I really have, he did the Bucks game the other night. I really do equate him as an NBA on TNT guy. I, I don't want to say more so than the Brewers yet, but he, BA on NBA on TNT, and I know he's done the match and NFL games and stuff, but he seems to me at home, the best, the most natural, the perfect fit on the TNT games. And so I was glad to have him on the Bucks call the other night. So the Brewers do make a signing with Brian Anderson. All right, I got some voicemails. Voicemails brought to you by Carl's Place. You can call my voicemail line, 402-915-BART, 402-915-BART. And you can get in on whatever we talk about. Voicemails are brought to you by Carl's Place. Carl's Place, they manufacture, custom design, and make golf simulators. You can check out Carl of ET, Carl with a C of ET.com, backslash Bart. There's also a tutorial I did, a little video, me and Toby on the front page of my Twitter account. So Carl of ET.com, backslash Bart couple of voicemails regarding the Brewers, so I'll get into those since we last discussed it. This is from Landmark. What's up, Bart? It's Landmark. After hearing you talk about the Brewers, I wanted to give you a few thoughts that I have on the Brewers. Now, the biggest thing that I think is missing here is their communication about what the expectations for this team are. They keep trying to tell everybody, oh, we're going to be good. We can compete. We can do the best that we can. And we've got the bite of the apple and all of these things. When you trade Josh Hader and you still try to tell me that you're trying to compete, you are lying to me. I think back to those years after 2011, the 2012 to 2017, those teams weren't very good. We knew that those teams weren't going to be very good. But the Brewers didn't lie to us. They told us, you should come to baseball because baseball is fun. Their marketing in that time was amazing. And then they fired all of their social media people and went with the corporate MLB people, and that was a cluster. But we're not going to talk about that because I just feel like they don't have the pulse of the people. It's the same thing as to how they keep just – it's frustrating. Like, they're not even doing the whole Roman Reigns, Logan Paul, we got one good puncher's chance, which is really what they're saying. But instead they're trying to tell us, oh, we can just win – with Jesse Winker and this other dude and these other 12 guys that are here on minor league contracts. Like, just tell me that you're putting together a team where you want one good puncher's chance. If you tell me that, instead of trying to sell me that you're going to try to be a winning team and go to the playoffs and get the one puncher's chance, like sell it to me in a way that makes sense. Don't say we're trading your best player and we're getting back Taylor Rogers. Like, I think that's the biggest thing that frustrates me is the communication piece of it. Because they come out and say, we cherish our fans, and then they lie to our face. So that's what I got. They also just have lots of other flaws. Like, they take for granted that 
people, you know, don't come in April and September. And they're like, why don't you come? People go during June, July, and August because it's a place to go. It's the same way that the New Year's Eve game for the Wave is their biggest attendance of the year because it's something to do. That's what we in Wisconsin do. Anyway, I know I'm going to hit my three minutes, so I'm going to wrap this up. But thanks, Bart. Have a good day, y'all. Bye. Yeah, Landmark, thanks. I think uh, just in listening to you and spitballing, I would almost, if I'm the Brewers, I would almost come out and be like, baseball fans. We fucked up last year. <laughs> we, we were in first place and traded our best player. Then we missed the playoffs and gave you a $6 voucher. We took you for granted. We will never do that again. Brewers baseball. $7 vouchers coming soon. I don't know. They're just, we're not buying what they're selling. That's a, that's a great point. I think the experience of going to a baseball game is already a big factor in getting us there. I don't know. The Brewers, man, I, I, I just, when I, when I start to talk about this, I think about what the other perspective is, what the other side is. And I think, well, they've got this guy, they've got this guy, they've got this guy, this guy, this guy. But best case scenario, I don't know. They need a lot to go right. But that doesn't mean that you can't sell the fans on a fun experience. You know, if this team had no expectations, I mean, they should almost come out and really undersell. We might suck this year. And then they go 10 and five to start the first three weeks. We're all on board and the year's fun. It's all about managing expectations. He's right. I, I just, I, they're not as good as they think they are. But I, I don't know. Game's going to come on. We're still going to watch. Very frustrating. All right. Uh, I did have a take that I think the Brewers and small market teams should root for the Mets, when the Mets look like they had Correa, everybody's payroll kind of evens out around $300 million, the rich teams. And nobody's ever jumped above that, like, astronomically. And then the Mets are like, we're going to do that. Why not? We have the money. And then all those $300 million teams are mad. So my whole take was, if you're a team like the Brewers and you want baseball to change, if there's eight rich people having their way of the world, it's not going to change. But then if one guy outriches all the other rich then those rich people are going to be mad at the super rich that's when things change when the rich people feel like they're poor that's when things change so i say root for the mets so the rich teams try to make a change big ron disagrees hey bard it's big ron in jersey Look, uh, normally I call and agree with everything you say and kind of kiss your ass, but I, I got to disagree with you on your take that small market fans, including Brewers fans, should root for the Mets and Stephen Cohen to win the World Series, you know, repeatedly over the next several years. I think actually what we want to do is we actually want to root for the Mets to not win the World Series, maybe get close, but not win it. 
And then I think what I would predict would happen is Stephen Cohen will even go more bonkers. And I'll take the payroll up from 300 million where it is now to maybe 450 million and just keep spending like a drunken sailor. So it gets so out of control um, that, you know, then, you know, the effect that you were talking about will happen where the other big market owners will just get so pissed off at him for even outspending their egregious spending, like the Dodgers and so on and so forth that they will revolt and maybe institute some kind of cap or stronger luxury tax or some kind of spending, you know, more amplified spending constraints. Because I do, I do agree with you that the small market owners just don't have a voice. They don't have any say, and you're going to need a coalition of large market owners who are pissed off at Steve Cohen. You know, of course, the other thing we could do is just convince Elon Musk to buy the brewers, he has four times the wealth of Steve Cohen. Oh, and God. probably take our payroll up to $500 million if he wanted to. Um, if Elon Musk bought the brewers, he'd be auctioning off the... <laughs> Twitter's auctioning off the Twitter bird and furniture. What is that? If Elon Musk bought the brewers? No. I wish... I wish... The big thing... We don't talk about this enough. The big thing with American sports is someone could buy the Brewers and just move them. And this is the credit I was trying to give Mark the other day. Yeah, we think he's cheap and it sucks, but if he wanted to, he could just move us. He could move us. Us. The team we've loved forever. The team that had to fill the gap. Bud Selig fought to bring here, ripped from Seattle, because when the Braves left, he was devastated. A team that we've built you know, lifetimes around, bonds around, generational ties around. A guy can just come in here because these are properties and they just move them. It's a giant flaw with how American sports are, but it is ultimately a business. And these are properties. These are investments. We wish everyone that was an owner was like a fan and was just like one of us, but owned the team. But they're not. They could just flat out move this team at any time. And that sucks. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be critical. But it sucks. It sucks. A little more from Big Ron. That's uh, kind of a pipe dream. My other take is moving on to the NFL. I really see a mispriced spread in the 49ers-Cowboys game. The line is open to um, anywhere between three and a half and four and a half. I would jump all over the Niners early on that spread. Um, I think the true spread is somewhere between six and a half and seven. I think Dak Prescott is easily rattled and playing against, you know, the top defense in the league, you know, as we saw in the Packers games when, uh, in the Packer Cowboys games, when, when Prescott got rattled, he uh, threw a bunch of picks. So um, I would jump all over that game. And, uh, you know, I think the line's so low because of the huge nationwide fan base the Cowboys have that bet on their home team. The books know this. They can't set it up to a true line, which should be about six and a half, seven, because then all the money will pour in on the Cowboys with their huge, rabid fan base. All right, in the words of the great drunk David Serens, fuck yeah and fuck the Cubs. I don't know, man. I the, the Cowboys do have a huge fan base, but everyone wants to be so smart and Take the Niners. God, I I think I'm going to – this is hard for me because I don't have a lot of bias left. 
in the playoffs where I can look at a game. Yeah, I want the Giants because we put money on them, but you know, Eagles will probably win that game. Bengals and Bills could be an interesting game. I think the the Chiefs probably win. We'll talk about these tomorrow with Horvat. But the Niners, I have a bias against because I'm mad that everybody just assumes they're this so good and that they'll they'll get in. But they are good. That's the thing I can't shake about the Niners. They can rip off a 25-yard play with anybody, even with Brock Purdy. Cowboys defense is going to have to come to play. They're going to have to make Brock Purdy look like a rookie, which he really hasn't uh, much of the year. Uh, Marcus is in Denver, and Marcus was at the Nuggets game last night, two nights ago. So he called in for a post-game show for the Nuggets. Hey, Bart. Marcus in Denver here. Walking on a snowy, snowy night in Denver. Just got out of the Nuggets game. Uh, Jokic, walking bucket. Jamal Murray, walking bucket. Game, walking bucket. 30 points at the half. But uh, we have to shut down the same to Milwaukee stuff. That man kind of plays like James Harden. He's playing for the fouls more than trying to get the ball in the hoop. So maybe I just never watched him too closely. Um, not a fan. I think he can stay in Portland. Um, Aaron Gordon, smallest, weakest kind of big man in the game, I think. That man, I don't know. I, I hope I never see him as a Milwaukee Buck either. Um, anything, good show out, good game. Um I really hope that we get a Bucks Nuggets final. I think that'd be a dream come true. I've been to uh, haven't been to a Bucks Nuggets game. I've been seven years in a row, and I went to the last game with COVID in 2020 March. That was the last game the Bucks played in the regular season that year before the bubble. Um, I don't think I'm gonna be able to go, man. Those Nuggets fans are top tier. That stadium is loud for a Tuesday night. And- January, I was, I was, I'm pretty impressed. Nuggets fans show out, and if I showed up in Bucks gear cheering, I'd still wear my Bucks hat and whatnot. But if I was cheering for the Bucks at that place, I'd probably get in a fight and get my ass beat. But uh, anyway, love the show. First time calling the podcast. I've been listening to your show for a minute. Love every minute of it. Uh, I hope you have a good evening, Bart. Take care. Hey, Marcus, appreciate the breakdown. We got people all over, baby. Bucks play at Denver March 25th. Marcus, we'll need you to represent. Denver comes to Milwaukee January 25th, next Wednesday. And I do hope that Jokic is in that game. I know he missed one last week. Giannis has been missing some games. I hope I hope we get a, a Giannis Jokic. A few years ago, uh, I had a buddy that worked out in Denver, and we were, like, mapping out the NBA, the NBA, and we thought these two teams could meet in the finals one day because of Giannis and because of Jokic. I think that would be great for the league. I still want a Bucks Warriors finals, even though it would tear my family apart. But a Bucks Denver, a Jokic Giannis finals, I think that would be I, I think that would be great. I mean, you're trying to think who does the NBA want? They probably want I don't know, Celtics Warriors. But I a Bucks Denver finals would be really, really good, I think. I uh, got one from Tom the teacher, teacher Tom. This is Teacher Tom, and I have a thought on 
Giannis and the NBA regular season. Now, it's interesting that the Bucks are at the point where they can rest guys for the playoffs. It wasn't that many years ago under Jason Kidd that Giannis and Chris Middleton were playing the most minutes in the NBA as they were fighting for the 7 and 8 seed. The Bucks needed to have them play every minute possible just to make the playoffs. But as one of the elite teams, it's a privilege that, the, you know, to do the load management thing, to rest guys, since now the goal is to be healthy in the playoffs. I also wonder when the pendulum is going to swing back. Um, and even on the elite teams, guys will um, try to take the challenge of playing in all 82 games, like the badge of honor that they used to talk about in the 90s, that I played in every game possible. I kind of think that oh, Coach Bud is learned from his mentor. Remember, he was with the Spoons and Popovich when Tim Duncan and the other guys would rest, and it was just written as load management. And then the NBA uh, got on them for that, so they couldn't rest that often. But, yeah, it's kind of it's a privilege that they're able to rest extra minutes. It sucks if you go to the games. And, but it's also kind of nice that we don't need Giannis playing every minute possible of every game. Well, and again, if you put a good product out, like that product the other night was so fun. That was a fun game, the Bucks and the Raptors. You know, Drew was great. You know, you, you're disappointed you don't see Giannis. Brooke gets kicked out. I don't think there's ever going to be. Like, some guys will, maybe. But I don't think the norm, if, if guys get the chance to play 82 games, I don't think they're going to want to. I mean, you get the back-to-backs, and you don't have to play. You don't have to play. I don't know that we go back to that time. Great voicemails. Again, thanks to Carl's Place for supporting that. 402-915-BART. 402-915-BART. Tomorrow we'll have our picks with Ryan Horvat. The divisional round. Four good games. Uh, I think the Jaguars might keep it closer. I think that, I think all these games will be pretty good. Uh, actually, I'm not so sure I believe that. Uh, we'll see what I say tomorrow with, with Horvat and the picks. And then uh, Bucks play again on Saturday night, and we'll talk about that Monday, the NFL playoffs. So thanks a lot. Again, uh, I don't say it as much as I should, but to be able to do this, it's really fun. And to interact with people calling the voicemail line, to do the YouTube lives, and whether you're watching or commenting or just jumping on or whatever, uh, means the world. You know, it's been about – what five months since uh things changed career-wise and to still have some semblance of what i was doing i i really appreciate that and i couldn't do it without each and every single one of you and i do have a problem when i sound sincere it sounds like i'm being a jerk but i think you can actually hear some sincerity here today i really mean it all right tomorrow horvat you guys have a good one we'll be back